Today, we have our Portland co-host, author, mentor, and lover of community and family developer, Paul Mackey. We will dive into some incredible dialogue around what it might mean to belong, become, and be part of something bigger than ourselves, and how developing and creating a healthy community is vital to our well-being. Let's take a deep breath and let's get right into the conversation with me, Larissa Lambert, an Arizona real estate agent, a home developer strategist navigating midlife, and my dear friend Paul, as we discover what it is to be a socially modern neighbor. All right, Paul, well, here we are again. Today, we're going to be, um, we wanted to talk about our second part of worldview and mm-hmm. go deeper as far in our own personal worldviews and just see how much time we have for um, our own personal worldviews. We're going to, of course, start with yours. We want to hear sure. um, more about what you, what you, what your personal worldviews are, um, mm-hmm. not such broad strokes on what it means and how it looks in our life, but um, give us so we can get to know you better. And yeah, thank you. On time, we'll we'll see what happens here. Okay, but before yes. we do that, we got to do our portion of our podcast called "What's in the Hood." The hood. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask you about um, a, one of your favorite places that you go to near your home. Yes. And so we're going to highlight something in Vancouver, Washington today. So, Paul, yeah. what, what do you want to tell us about um, the yeah, name of thank it, of you. course? Yeah, thank you. Uh, boy, one of my favorite hangouts here in Vancouver is called the River Maiden. And it's right on a main east-west avenue called Mill Plain Boulevard um, within walking distance of my house. So I might get my mail there sometimes. <laughs> but I um really I I love it because it's uh it is the quintessential local coffee shop. I mean uh the people all live here in the community. Um and it's as you would suspect, I mean uh coffee is um uh stump town, which okay. is a local Portland roast uh-huh. uh, that several coffee shops share around the area. So we we love Stumptown Coffee. It's a really nice blend. And also at the River Maiden, they do a great job with chai teas. So they have multiple flavors of chai teas, uh, including, you know, just the original good one. And so all the all the hot drinks that you would expect from um, from from a great coffee shop. uh, Yeah. Coffee tea shop. Okay. Um, The. The food is just excellent. Um, mm. They serve in the morning. They serve uh, several things. Uh, I had probably everything they they serve, but yeah, they have a bacon cheddar biscuit, which is okay. really really nice if you want just something to chew on with your coffee. Um, if you actually yeah. want to eat something substantial, we have what they call a breakfast sando. Uh-huh. And uh, and that's a very uh, uh, full meal. It's a uh, fresh baked mm. chapata bread with uh, you can get eggs, uh, cheese, ham, bacon, uh, all sorts of uh, specialty toppings on that. Uh, it's a sandwich. Some, is that what you said? It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Yeah, oh, okay. a very sandwich. Okay. Uh, it's mm-hmm. about uh, four four inches square. It's a very okay. satisfying. 
uh, meal and uh, you can order it up and they'll serve it for you. And then they also have a nice sandwich salad uh, lunch offering oh, okay. uh, that they do there for going in for lunch and coffee. So, okay. so anyway, is it mostly three... like sandwiches and pastries type or yes. does it have like a full yes. menu? No. Okay. Uh, well, the, the, not a full menu like a restaurant, but okay. uh, a, a, a menu that's sufficient for uh, a really nice local coffee shop. Okay. Uh, you can go there, have coffee, tea, uh, and a bite to eat. Um, yeah. And they, and all their stuff's fresh baked. So awesome. They have a bakery right there at the oh. at the other end of the building, and so they they bake up oh. everything and make it fresh. Yeah. It's oh, wonderful. okay. Well, that makes that nice. Very yeah, cool. The River Maiden yeah. in Vancouver, River Washington. Maiden, Vancouver, is it the Washington. only location? Is River is there in Vancouver? Uh, no, I think I think they have two locations. I've only been to this one. So I'm not familiar with the second one, but I know okay. it's out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're I ever in it's... Vancouver, Washington, check out the River yeah. Maiden for, again, good coffee, maybe a nice yes. little breakfast or lunch with a, a friend or for business or something. So yeah. great. Well, thank you, Paul, yep. for that. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So let's get back into um, our main meet here tonight. Um, it's evening when we're doing this mm -hmm. recording <laughs> yeah. um and you guys are now ahead an hour behind me too i think yes right? that's right yeah yep. yeah time switched up on us yep. so it, it's still dark so it's yeah. dark here Doesn't just matter. like it's dark there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay so we're going to talk about worldview again and yep. um, we'd love to hear from you and just more about what you want to say in regards to worldview what's on your what's on mm. your heart and your mind yeah I, well it maybe just a quick kind of intro would be why i thought worldview was a great place for us to start with you was because as a co-host uh, i think it's important for people to know how far i've traveled and and what i what i have come through how I view life, um, because I have uh, pastored, I've coached, I've mentored, I've apprenticed some people in my business. So I, I have a lot of tools in my tool belt, if we want to use that mm -hmm. typology. And and uh, I just think it's important for, for people to know why I would say maybe some things that I would say in answer to the future times we're going to have together on a variety of subjects around neighbors, uh, neighborhoods, uh, the importance of getting to know people. And so worldview is, uh, would be my glasses. It's how I view the things in my world. And I thought maybe uh, it would be good to share a couple of um, glasses that I enjoy wearing. Mm -hmm. uh, to look at my world, uh, all, uh, and that being all the things of daily life, not just politics or finances mm -hmm. or government or, you know, it's not right. just the big stuff. It's everyday life. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking and watching. And uh, so I think the first thing that characterizes my uh, worldview it would be the word inclusive, and I think I think this is an important word, uh, especially 
because of where we live. Uh, we live in Western culture, United States, and we're very independent. We're very, uh, you know, I can pull up my own bootstraps. I can get things done. Uh, we're all about being empowered and very much who are we as individuals. Uh, and I think sometimes that pursuit is at uh, the cost of being connected mm, sure. to others. I think we sometimes run off down the trail and forget that we need other people actually to live life successfully. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, inclusion is a is something I'm I will do consistently. Uh, in my own life, but also uh, as I talk with you and we spend time on a multiple of subjects, I think it's critical because I didn't become an adult by myself. Um, I wasn't raised uh, self-empowered. I was, I struggled as a young adult. I had lots of issues and I didn't even in my generation know where to turn necessarily because people were just beginning to write about many of the subjects that we just take for granted today. Oh yeah. There, go down to the bookstore. You can find three or four books on those. Well, when I was growing up, we didn't have three or four books on hardly anything. Okay. I was going to say, what are you referring to? Like what do you mean? You, you couldn't go to the bookstore? Well, well, like you could, yeah, well you can, today you can get books on, uh, uh, you know, how to, how to develop yourself. Uh, ah, okay. Self-help to, type. To, or... Self-help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-help books were, are very plentiful today mm-hmm. on, you know, all the fronts of human endeavor, you know, working, uh, thinking, uh, your emotions, your relationships to your family, your relationships to your community. Well, well, those are, uh, are more plentiful now than they were when I was growing up. Sure. Okay. And, and so a lot of, for me, a lot of my uh, experiences around inclusion were actually, I just had to live through, wait a minute, I'm doing better because I've chosen to do this with a friend Mm -hmm. or I chose to go get help or I chose to, include myself with someone else who is already on the way. Let me interrupt real quick. So basically if I'm hearing you correctly in your generation, which I have never thought about this, that um, you guys didn't have all the voices we have today. You didn't have the books. You didn't have the podcast. You didn't have the television people. I mean, you didn't have all this information about people's experiences and maybe what they did to live life well and yes. maybe their lessons they've learned or tools so yes. what that's an interesting thought so yeah that would be yes. what did you go to like what what yeah. do you feel like your generation or for you at least what yes. did you go what did you go to was it just a friend that you looked up to a pastor was it uh yeah it, yes so there were several several things yeah several uh i'd answer that several ways uh number one uh my my church family was important uh, not just because I needed to know some things about the Bible or some, you know, mm-hmm. spiritual subjects, but it was more about watching other people living with a set of values 
And what does that look like? And, and I could go and talk to them and say, mm. how did you come to that conclusion? And so for me, uh, church life was more about, honestly, a spiritual community holding some values that I admired and I wanted to uh, uh, live in that way. So I would go to the people that I saw those values and I'd say, how do you, how do you do that? Oh, and you would, but, you would ask them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, a, I was the guy who was always raising his hand in the corner saying, I have a question. I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> Just hungry. Uh, because, Just eager yeah, to learn. because I was yeah. very hungry. Um, we, we did, uh, well, I say we, I'm speaking of my wife and I, as we started to raise our children, um, we didn't think it was something was wrong with us mm. for to decide to go get some help. Yeah. And so family counseling was uh, becoming a thing as we were young adults back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So we actually began to have some choices then mm. to say, uh, can you help us sort through Um our challenges, uh, you know, how do we understand our children? How do we understand ourselves? Uh, what are some things you can help us with? Um, remembering that we, I was born to a set of parents who had come through the Great Depression. And so they were, and my dad and I talked about this at length, that uh, he grew up not knowing anybody's feelings were important. Because it was all about food and clothing and shelter. Okay. And and so you didn't have time, nor was there a platform to say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling something here. Uh, can I talk about it? Uh, people didn't largely do that. So I was raised uh, with a dad who didn't care what I felt, but he did care what I think. Mm. And... And uh, so for me, um, I had to, actually, my wife taught me about my feelings. We were married early. Uh, well, uh, I was 21 and she was 20 when we got married. And uh, I didn't know how to share my feelings with her. I mean, I knew the words. Yeah. But I but I didn't have any radar around what I was processing inside. Mm -hmm. And so she began to help me uh, with that because she was good at that. And uh, so that we kind of were each other's mentors early yeah. in our marriage. And then we began to seek help. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you're saying with this um, that basically early on you went to, um, church. That was how you started to change your worldview. Yeah. Like what, what, um, yes. give us more information about your worldview and, and, um, yes. where you were going with that part. So, so inclusion. Yeah. So there's, I've, I've landed on that. There is just a world with us in it. There's not us and them. And, uh, we talked about that. Uh, yeah, in, you mentioned uh, it. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we can go back and reference that if we want. Some yeah, more, that was last our last episode. Yeah, our last episode. Mm -hmm. And so it it to me that's a critical piece because our 
our society is very fractured now uh, with dual dualism, which is there's, you know, just two sides to any issue. Uh, there's up, down, good, bad, right, left, uh, any number of double choices, but they force people to polarize and there's no, there's not much middle ground right. in our culture today. And uh, inclusion wants to ask the questions of, wait a minute, what if there was a third option that actually might invite both sides to a third view and thereby including both uh, in, in every conversation and mm. idea. So mm-hmm. that that's, I think that's really critical when we start talking about who's our neighbor, uh, you know, what, what does a good neighborhood actually look like? What does it act like? What might it sound like? Yeah. Uh, it's gotta be inclusive uh, because mm-hmm. Nobody lives on an island unless you so choose to go live on one. (laughs) Well, even when you said that about that, um, no one has middle ground, you know, that it is very polarizing. And my thought was I've even seen on social media or memes or different things that there's even so much pressure to not be middle ground. People think that you're weak. They think that you... Um, if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. I think yes. I've seen that or read that many times. If you stand, if you, fa- you stand for nothing, am I saying that right? There's like a phrase like that, basically, yeah. like you've got to stand for if something, you, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise yes. you're just kind of a nobody. And I've yeah. never liked those things. One, it makes me go, oh, I'm that person. I guess I don't stand for anything strong. So I'm a nobody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but I also feel like it's just to make war. Like we just have to be so strong on a subject that, um, you must take a stand on it. You must, you must hear otherwise who are you, you know? And I just, I'm not sure how I feel about, about that. And that is a lot of pressure from our, at least we're talking Western society, all these things. That's our, that's our experience is the West. Um, so maybe somewhere else on the planet, they do it differently. But for us, mm-hmm. um, it definitely is like, you need a, you need a very strong voice in a matter and take a side, um, mm-hmm. or you just, you know, you're weak. Yeah. Well, and, or your opinion isn't, isn't of any consequence. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It, it, well, that it's, I understand that we, uh, we want to have clarity on the issues. And, and I realize that, mm-hmm. but clarity, honestly, it, uh, an honest look at clarity doesn't come because you have a one-sided argument. Um, in fact, uh, I would propose this, all real learning takes place in the tension of two opposites. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so if you want to actually keep learning, mm-hmm then you have to be willing to say, I don't know everything about any subject that you want to talk about. Hmm. And I, and I think somehow when we uh, become polarized, we also lose our humility, mm-hmm. which is, which is really sad because then mm-hmm. we've stopped learning on that issue and we're almost sure that we're completely right. Yeah. Sadly though, there's always more to any issue than one side. Yeah. 
and yeah, and really we've good. lost we've lost the art of exchange uh, and the art of valuing each other, including each other, because mm, mm-hmm. uh, you just may know something that that I didn't even consider was part of the subject. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found that out by uh, actually by experience. Uh, one of the greatest lessons that I learned was uh, in our in our city we. Um, like any city, we have a a, a portion of the city where uh, it's it's not very high rent, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know uh, a lot of um, non-white uh, ethnic groups live there. They can afford to live there, and uh, so my wife and I went, and we purposed to spend. Uh, 10 years of our life serving in that community, just doing what we can to help and encourage people. And it was amazing to me the how many things I thought I knew mm. that from my ethnic perspective that mm-hmm. I thought I, I got all, I've got mm-hmm. everything I need to go here. And I never once considered uh, the challenges and the perspectives that were uh, available as I built relationships with people not like me. Mm. And they were not like me experientially. They were not like me educationally. They were not like me linguistically or even ethnically. Mm. But as I got to know them, the the wealth of who they were began to be offered and put on the table. And I realized I was vastly ignorant about a lot of things, <laughs> only taking my own perspective in, into that community. Right. So that that was a real wake-up call for me, and that was also a world view shift for me, that there are some amazing people mm-hmm. that don't look like me or sound like me. Yeah. And I m- might be wise to include them. Yeah. And they might know something you don't, huh? Or have at least a different experience. Uh, actually, they, they always did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not might, they, they do. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they always did. Yeah. 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 And uh, so it takes humility to listen and realize, oh my goodness, um, I, I need to uh, pay attention here because there's something uh, there's a great exchange to be had if I'm willing yeah. to keep learning yeah, right. keep growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said something like that earlier and I meant to have you repeat it. Cause it was really good about, um, without doing this, like there's an exchange that happened or a tension that happens. Yes. And yes. then with that intention and it, there's an exchange and then you're, you grow or learn. I can't remember how you yes. said it, but well, um, what kidding. I said was uh, that all learning takes place in the tension of two ideas, and these two ideas can be opposite; they don't have to be the same. But but in between the tr- the distance traveled between two opposing ideas is where all learning takes place, mm. because if you're willing to migrate. And just walk a little bit in the other direction on that issue. 
you're going to learn some things you didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And that's where real learning takes place. Mm -hmm. What I fear is that we, in the name of wanting to be on the team or be the right people Mm -hmm. in the right place with the right voice, we've stopped learning. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've halted our potential to actually know a larger view, a larger worldview around that subject, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I even, I find this frustrating even in spiritual circles because people want to circle the wagons around a truth or Mm -hmm. something we call a doctrine or, you know, a, a, a pillar idea. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we do when we finally say, okay, this is all there is about that subject. We, we believe this is what Uh. it says and what's true. And there's no more at that moment. We stop growing. Wow. We stop learning that, that the truth is any subject on the planet there's always more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, a lot of spiritual circles would say they, if you just leave that sentence separate from what you just said, they would go, yeah, of course I believe that. I believe that there's always more. Believe yes. that there's more depth to these things. And I don't know it all, right? We want to admit yes. all that. But then I hear what you're saying and I, it's very like obvious to me and very like, that's, that's pretty funny that mm-hmm. we do that because then, we do find a conclusion about a topic and we're like, that's it. That's gotta be the answer. Um, And if anybody might have a difference of angle or see it a little different than we were right away, that's no, that's not the conclusion we've drawn. Um, And so we shut it down. So again, that's that double mindedness. We, we all kind of can tend to have, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I think that way I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm willing to learn and grow. And then somebody might challenge Mm -hmm. what we think and we immediately are unwilling to grow in in that area. Yeah. So, so I think those, some of those ideas that we've just talked through are all around the word inclusion. Yeah. The inclusion actually is more than just adding somebody that's not like me, but inclusion is being willing to learn from somebody that's not like me. Mm-hmm. It's being to, being willing to stay open to growing and learning more. Yeah. Um, I would also say that uh, another part of my worldview is that I choose to live in a world of more than enough, which means, uh, I'm I'm not saying that we should be frivolous with our resources, uh, either economically or environmentally, or I'm not suggesting that. But what I am saying is that I believe everything that humanity needs to live on this planet, if we will be willing to learn and include others, there's plenty here for all of us to live and thrive and have our, our being, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. And mm-hmm. so when I wake up, I, I look around and I, I'm never stumped by, uh, or caught off guard, like, Oh no, I'm going to run out. Oh no, there's not enough of this. And what it does when we live in a world of not enough, 
uh, we don't, we wouldn't verbalize that, but that's how we navigate. So we tend to hoard, Mm -hmm. uh, even in small portions, we tend to hoard things. Um, we tend to not be generous Mm -hmm. or see ourselves as willing or able to give to somebody who might need something I have, Mm -hmm. whether that's knowledge or a possession or, you know, some asset that I might possess, uh, that I'm afraid to give that away because, well, if I give that away, then I won't have enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thinking that generosity, um, people equate generosity with wealth. Like if I'm ever wealthy, I, I can afford to be generous. Mm-hmm. I would like to challenge that and say, no, actually, uh, you become wealthy by being generous. Mm-hmm. So the generosity comes ahead of the wealth uh, because it's a, it's how you live. It's a heart position. It's not a checkbook position. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm enjoying, I mean, I'm of retirement age mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I, uh, but I'm enjoying this time in my life that I can invest finance, time, wisdom, uh, encouragement, uh, mentoring. There's a whole host of things that we can invest if we, if we really took time um, to view our world as a place of more than enough where I can be generous. And I realize that's a challenge. I, I understand mm-hmm. that, but, but I'm, sure. You ask the question, how am I living? What's my worldview? My worldview is that I can afford to be generous and I live in a world of not enough. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, that's also a very joyful way to live. Yeah. Um, There's a high level of joy with that, which which makes you attractive to people. People Mm want to be around you. Um, people want to know, you know, what are you all about? <laughs> what, yeah. what's, what's this Paul guy carrying anyway? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's a key to actually being a good neighbor. Um, you know, there's the old time joke about, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Of course. And would you like flour and some milk to go with it? Uh, yeah. Do you need some eggs? I got a couple of eggs. Do you, yeah. Do you want your, right. would you like your lawn, lawn mode and your windows yeah. washed? Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, because I, I care that your quality of life in my neighborhood is that, that you're having a rewarding experience living here. Yeah. And, and, that, and I assume you, you have seen that and maybe in previous yes. generations you saw more of that in a neighborhood being neighborly um, and working in communities together. What do you have any ideas? They don't have to be conclusions, but ideas around why we don't see that as much anymore. Hmm. An idea around why we don't see that as much. Like worldview maybe has changed for a lot of people in that way. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that, uh, our world has become uh, more scary. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, 
the news cycles and uh, the amount. Um, I, I read an article. Uh, let me start here, and then I'll, I think I will answer your question. Uh, the amount of news and information that the uh, 21st century American has to process in a 24-hour cycle is more news and more events than we were used to processing even uh, two generations ago. That two generations ago, you know, I lived in a neighborhood where uh, everybody had a couple of fruit trees and it was nothing to take a basket of peaches and pears to the neighbor and get some apples and filberts from them. Mm-hmm. And so we had this, we had this like community fruit basket. Mm-hmm. Nobody set it up. It wasn't organized. Nobody profited from it. It was, we did it because we were neighbors. Yeah. Uh, you know, you need some blueberries, come pick a flat of blueberries from the three bushes in on my back property. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and, and that element of, uh, uh, community sharing, uh, while I know that there are, you know, community food banks in almost every city, that spirit is coming back, but it was, it was gone for a long time. Uh, it wasn't as prevalent. Maybe we could say that. And, and that cost, that cost our, our culture. Yeah. Uh, because it's taking, it's, taking some time to get it going again. It's almost like we've become concerned too wide. Is how I'm thinking of it. You're telling me that is that's what I'm thinking is it used to be, you were concerned what's close, your neighbor, your home, those around you. That's, that's who you worried about. We're concerned over. And now our concern is too much, too big um, to, to really put, good attention on and to give yeah. ourselves to it. You just consume. Yeah. We're, brains, we're, you know, more than yeah, we're on it. Yes. We're on information overload most yeah. of the time. And yeah. uh, the world is at our back door. Anybody that's got a computer can go anywhere in the world. And so there's all these issues. And I, and I think it, it has, uh, I don't, I don't want to just throw a rock at the news cycle, but what I want to say is, uh, we are overrun with issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand we need to know what's going on in our world. And I uh, thank the, the news folks for that. But there's, um, wow, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a tough problem. Uh, how much is too much? Yeah. And that's and, why uh, we're having this discussion and why we talk that's about right. it here yeah. is we we're yeah. aware yeah. that you know, this is how things are. So what do we need to, is there any way back to some of it? Because we're not, you know, the two of us or who we interview on here, we're not going to change that. We're not going to probably change the, the course of how much information we get and how, how things are with internet and, and the television and things. But what can we do to combat that a little bit and, and bring in old ideas, mm -hmm. new ideas to, to make us healthy. Okay. Yes. And I, and I think what we can do, and I feel hopeful about this is that dialogues like this can 
ask a different set of questions, which can spark any individual into a brand new direction and a brand new action. Um, I highlighted uh, in our previous Worldview talk, a, a simple chef in New York City who during the pandemic began to start feeding uh, crews at his local hospital out of his restaurant. This guy doesn't know how to solve a world problem. He knows how to cook food. Yeah. And, and, but because he was willing to ask a new set of questions and be inclusive, thousands of people have rallied around this man and they've created a, a, a movement called World Kitchens and they're feeding hungry people all over the world now. And there's no, there's, it's not for profit. It's simply because I, they see, wait a minute, you're my neighbor and I care that you're hungry. Let me find a way to feed you. And, yeah. and that all happened because one guy had an idea. And I think our world is full of people with great ideas. They just need permission and a new question to unlock. Uh, some some real strategies that we need, not at a national level, at a at a community level, mm-hmm. to just help our people right in our own neighborhood live different. Yeah. See different, feel different, act different. Yeah. Thank you for being with us today. Without all of us participating in our communities and neighborhoods, we can't possibly reach the depths of our purpose and being human. We invite you to participate in our extended community outside of listening and join on Zoom calls with us every Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. To get further information and our link, you can email the socially modern neighbor at gmail.com. All social media handles and additional websites can be found in the podcast description. Please also leave any helpful reviews and share with your friends and family as we grow together to become the socially modern neighbor.